Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, it's Drew Goodman. Guess what? Like everybody else in America, I have a podcast. Actually, I've had it for four years. Download it at all of your favorite places you get podcasts. I have great guests, guys like Ryan McMahon, Dan Issel, Hall of Famer-to-be Albert Pujols, current Hall of Famer Larry Walker, Adam Schefter, and we kick around subjects locally, regionally, nationally. So download it and tell your friends. The Drew Goodman Podcast. Catchy name. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Delighted to be joined by our next guest. That would be one Chris Thomason of the Denver Gazette. You can always follow him on social at Chris Thomason. Chris, thank you for joining us today for the Denver Broncos. They feel like perhaps they've turned a corner, winning their last two games, knocking off the, the Chiefs and finding themselves at three and five with an opportunity to go four and five. Uh, they are still the second to last in the playoff standings in the AFC. But is there a real belief in the building in which they think they can make a run at the postseason? Well, first of all, thanks for having one Chris Thomason on tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, pretty much uh, it's a enthusiastic, confident bunch. I mean, uh, Javante Williams, last week on a conference call, I asked him about the playoffs, and he said, not just the playoffs, we could make a Super Bowl run. I mean, uh, it's a little premature for uh, Super just Bowl a talk, bit. but yeah. it shows you the confidence they have. I mean, Zach Allen also talked about, you know, there's uh, no reason to believe we can't make a playoff run. So, uh, yeah, it's a confident outfit and uh, they're coming off a big win over Kansas City and uh, if they can beat Buffalo another AFC heavyweight at least on paper they've been a heavyweight they've struggled a little bit of late Uh, yeah they would be uh, help their cause greatly why do the Broncos especially on defense believe that they are rushing the passer better in these last three games that they are covering better in these last three games what do the defensive players, people like Zach Allen, say about uh, why they're rushing the passer better, um, why they're covering better in the secondary? And, uh, you know, that, that's the name of the game these days in the NFL. Well, what they say is, oh, it takes time to learn the system. We're meshing together as a unit. Uh, what they don't say and what is maybe more of a reason is there's been some personnel changes on defense. Jaquan McMillan has taken over at the nickelback and he's doing a fine job. Fabian Moreau, a veteran, has taken over at cornerback and has been an upgrade over Damari Mathis, who is the lowest rated cornerback in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. Baron Browning has returned from injury and also some other key 
players have returned from injury. Obviously, Justin Simmons missed a couple games. Josie Jewell and Mike Purcell missed some time on defense. So changes in the lineup and changes just in available bodies certainly have both helped. Now that they have kind of settled that, and it is interesting to watch how some of these positions have just sort of uh, organically worked themselves out by the players on the on the field. Taking on the Bills is a different level. Now, the Bills, I, I think, by their own admission, would consider their record to be very disappointing considering the losses they've had to the Jets and the Patriots. But that would make losing to the Broncos, again, as we pointed out, second to last at the AFC, uh, another really uh, sand under the burn type of thing, uh, burn under the saddle type of thing for the Bills. So I expect the Bills to really come at the Broncos hard in this one. Buffalo's a tough place to play in November. Is there anything that Denver is doing offensively that makes you think that they can match with with the Bills? Well, just in general terms, yeah, the Bills have lost three out of five, and they've been sluggish uh, offensively. They lost to New England a game they certainly shouldn't have lost. Tampa Bay was one Hail Mary away from pulling off a a big upset a few weeks ago. But, uh, you know, offensively, the key will be like it was against Kansas City, keep the ball on the ground, try to control the time of possession, try to keep the ball away from Josh Allen, much like they did Patrick Mahomes. But, of course, this is a road game against Buffalo. Weather will be cold. Fans will be hostile. So it's going to be more difficult, obviously, Monday than it was, uh, even though Kansas City is the defending champion. What about the uh, Vaughn Miller angle uh i noticed and we played back some of the comments uh patrick satan had about vaughn miller they did crisscross uh, however briefly uh, a couple of years ago um uh, miller is back he doesn't play nearly as much as he used to play but uh, actually this will be his first game i believe against uh, the broncos um what are the broncos anticipating from Vaughn Miller with uh, that Buffalo defense otherwise pretty banged up at this point. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is Vaughn Miller hasn't had a very good season. He doesn't have a sack. He has one tackle the entire season over five games, but he's still working his way back from the knee injury, and I had a chance to talk to DeMarcus Ware this week a little bit about that. He... uh, keeps up closely with yes, Vaughn Miller. And, uh, they're close friends. Yeah, says he's you know doing the best that he can, and he's still working his way back from that injury. And wouldn't be surprised, though, if he puts up some stats uh, Monday because it'll certainly be an emotional game. And I had a chance to listen to Vaughn Miller's press conference today in Buffalo where he pretty much uh, expressed nothing but love for the Broncos over and over, but he did say... It would be good timing uh, if he were on Monday to look like the Super Bowl 50 MVP version of Von Miller. I don't know so much about this week, but in the past, Josh Allen has not hidden his disdain for the Denver Broncos. And he says uh, in the past, he has said, I get up for them more than any other team. They snub me before the draft. Uh, I'm up the road in Wyoming with my pro day, and they couldn't even bother sending uh, Kubiak or Elway up there. Uh, He said, I'm loaded for bear every time I 
I see the Broncos. I hate the Broncos. Um, again, I don't know what he's saying this week. I doubt he's being that explicit because he has other more pressing concerns. But I always thought, you know, they, they kind of made a needless enemy there in Josh Allen uh, for, for no reason. All it would have taken was a 90-minute trip up to Laramie, and the Broncos would be just another team to Josh Allen. Yeah, you know, it's a good point you make. Obviously, I wasn't covering the, the team then, and so, uh, but yeah, a pretty good uh, quarterback just up the road, but obviously uh, several teams missed out on him, and uh, I'm sure well, he's At least uh, six. Got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's got his uh, hit list. I remember yeah, uh, definitely, Teddy definitely, Bridgewater yeah. when he was drafted by Minnesota. He was the 32nd pick in yeah. the first round, so he had a hit list of mm. uh, 31 teams yeah. ahead well, of him. Although yeah. some so, of them were uh, the same, some yeah, had multiple yeah. picks. So I'm sure Josh Allen has a at least a you know a six-team uh, hit list there. So yeah, the, the conversation that Sandy and I had before you came in was the idea that Russell Wilson uh, simply is not getting a lot of opportunities. He ranks 24th in pass opportunities, and what we mean is that's pass attempts plus sacks. On average, uh, he's in sort of the Taylor Heineke era level of, of guys that are that are getting those kind of attempts. Do the Broncos truly believe that they can build a sustainable, consistent offense with Russell Wilson throwing that few times? And if so, what does it really end up looking like? Well, you know, Sean Payton came in talking about wanting to establish – the run it took a little bit longer than anybody had envisioned but uh if sean payton gets a victory and his team has 40 rushing attempts much like they did against the chiefs sean payton will have no issues with that russell wilson will say he has no issues with it and all he wants and he'll be uh saying that uh through gritted teeth I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's here's the that. thing though that any makes it makes it remarkable. It isn't just yeah, just the ball, right? But 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 you know Wilson's numbers are. I mean, I asked him this very question at the press conference today. I said, "Well, all your stats are up this season. You right. equaled your 16 TDs of last season already. How do you feel about that in light of you guys still are three and five? And then he went into the usual spiel about all I care about is winning. But he did kind of say, personally, I know what I'm capable of. And he did uh, make a comment in which he lauded Sean Payton and his coaching staff. So I'm sure he's uh, quite relieved that he's got Payton and this new staff coaching him rather than Mm. the uh, circus he had last year. Maybe, um, but... There have only been five games in his career where he has failed to throw for 120 yards or more. Two have come in the last three weeks. I can't imagine that any quarterback would be very happy with that. And it seems as if they can say what they want. It seems as if they're putting a protective sheath over Russell Wilson so that he won't lose they're using him in a way that prevents losing more than it causes winning i mean they're Um, using him like he's taylor heineke chris 
aren't they? Yeah, I mean, what you say is not totally unreasonable. I mean, there was a stretch when he wasn't uh, throwing downfield for a while, and then he made the comment that uh, we're not gun-shy about uh, throwing downfield. But there's no doubt they've been conservative with him, and it all goes back to what we've talked about several times this season is game manager. So uh, he definitely was a game manager in the last uh, couple games, and they got victories at least. This is really fascinating to see how this is going to shake out because, yeah, we understand that uh, this team has a long way to go to make a playoff run. They don't really know what they sort of are at this point, but, but adding to those situations for Wilson, his best passes via pro football focus, and it's by a wide margin, are 20 or more yards down the field. Seven of his touchdowns are from 20 passes, 20 or more yards downfield through the air, and that's only on 78 attempts. So uh, in just a little over one out of every 11 throws, more than 20 yards down the field, he's getting a touchdown. Uh, every statistic in Russell Wilson just this season alone indicates that the best ball he throws still in his career is the deep sideline route. But the Broncos seem to be wanting to hide that. That's interesting because we talk about what was supposed to be the strength of this team coming in, and that was the receiver core. Now you have a a guy like Marvin Mims who can't get in because of the quote-unquote log jam. Jerry Judy has played better. Cortland Sutton has played better. Uh, Why, in this case, is Sean Payton simply unwilling to go with what uh, the eye test, the statistics, everything says is Russell Wilson's best pass? Well, you kind of, as I was preparing to answer the question, you half answered it by bringing up Marvin Mims, who's averaging 20-plus yards per catch this season, but has uh, two catches for four yards in the last four games. So that is mystifying. And uh, what you say also uh, adds to the uh, mystery. Yeah, so uh, we'll see if the mystery is... uh, unraveled a little bit more this coming Monday. Monday night football for the Broncos is followed by Sunday night football for the Broncos. Um, (laughs) Are are they really ready for prime time? Their last prime time excursion did not go very well, uh, at least offensively in Kansas City on a Thursday night. Um, it, you pointed it out earlier in the conversation. This is a more important game for Buffalo than the game of the Chiefs was last time out for Kansas City. Uh, it, it, Kansas City gave the appearance, and I say the appearance because they didn't exactly play great offensive football against Miami over in Frankfurt last week either. But Kansas City kind of gave the appearance of going through the motion. So the game, you know, nice if they won, but no big deal if they lost. That isn't the case with uh, Buffalo. How much are are the Broncos accounting for that? Or do they just feel, hey, we broke a 16-game losing streak to a team we haven't been able to beat uh, for the better part of eight years. Uh, We're on our way. We've solved the problem. We have turned it all around. Well, it's human nature, and you brought it up, that obviously the Bills are desperate for a win, and uh, might the Broncos relax, uh, even though they're still a measly 3-5, and that, hey, we've won 
two games, we finally got the monkey off our back against. Well, they're Kansas not the worst City. team in the conference we'll, anymore, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. But uh, the Broncos have lost seven straight times in Money Eye Football. They don't <laughs> <want> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. They, they last the, the opener in the 2017 season against yeah. the Los Angeles Chargers was yep. the last time they won on Monday That's right. night. That's right. But hey, at least. Getting to Sunday night football. At least they won their last Sunday night football game in that infamous eleven to ten win over San Francisco. That Boy, Eric, you got the history down pat. All over it. Uh, You're that, all over that. That's why you want to follow Chris Thomason, Chris Thomason on social <laughs> and over at the Denver Gazette. Denver Gazette. Uh, check out all of it over, by the way, uh, at the website as well. Uh, Chris and the rest of the team, you'll hear a lot of the, the reporters from the Gazette right here because, uh, well, we want to go to the folks who have the information, and that's Chris and his team over there. So, Chris, always good to talk to you. Uh, looking forward to touching base with you now that the bye week's over. And uh, let's see. You know what? Th- this yeah. is an interesting game because if they find out, if they lose, well, you know, the air keeps leaking out of the balloon. If they win, admittedly, one, Sandy and I eat a little bit of crow, and two, things become a lot more interesting. So appreciate it. Sounds good. And as a final comment, the three games after the Buffalo Monday night game are all very winnable, Minnesota, Cleveland, and Houston. So it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be totally out of the realm that they are sitting at 6-6 and after 12 games, but we will find out. We will indeed. Chris Thomason joins us. Uh, Thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, thanks. Uh, I guess anything's possible because they did something similar in 2018, and one month after they did that, Vance Joseph was the ex-head coach of the Denver Broncos. Yes, and I, I suppose, look, I we've talked about that this week. Uh, the, the presumption is, well, the Vikings don't have Kirk Cousins, so they're beatable. Mm, well, that's what the team last week thought, too. Yes. Until Joshua Dobbs, with no practice, found a way to still lead them to a win. No, and Joshua Dobbs, let's give Chris some credit on this. Joshua Dobbs is not Kirk Cousins. No, he is not. And so, look, is it is it an easier matchup than it would have been? Yes. Is it a walkover? No. Maybe not quite. No. I don't know how and they're Cleveland, going to score at all against Cleveland, the Browns. Cleveland, you can't score on. I don't even know how they're going to score. Especially and, and, and Houston, that game's in Houston. Yeah, in case you might have. But by the way, C.J. Stroud became and, the first Rookie yeah. to ever have a game with more than 400 passing yards and five Absolutely. touchdowns. Ever. There's a- not a- the, a- funny right. thing is, there's not Andrew that, Luck had more than 400 yards. There's not that many football players in history who've ever had a 400-plus yard yeah. game with five touchdowns. <laughs> Let alone rookies. Yeah, that's right, rookies. Uh, C.J. Stroud is for real. And D'Amico Ryans is for real. You know, we knew that. D'Amico Ryans is a great young coach. It's just that, unfortunately, D'Amico Ryans turned them down. And they had had no intention. Keep that in mind, by the way, Broncos fans. The Broncos turned to Sean Payton after D'Amico Ryans turned them down. And and probably multiple times. Sean Payton was plan B. D'Amico Ryans. The guy they really wanted was D'Amico Ryans. Was plan A. Just keep that in mind. So when you get the idea, oh, the Texans will be easy. Well, the coach you wanted coaches the Texans. The coach that you have is the guy that you had to pick because you couldn't get the guy who coaches right. the Texans. Right. So, uh, yeah. That- and, and by the way, the guy who had no other offers, D'Amico Ryans, had uh, lots of offers. Yeah. D'Amico Ryans People did. lining up with uh, dump trucks Sean money. Payton was offered one coaching job, yep. and that was here with the Denver Broncos. Well, it's his opportunity to prove it. You know, you, th- this, is, this is a great opportunity here. You, you go win that game on Monday night in Buffalo, hey, a lot of people have to hand you your flowers. I'd be one of the first in line. So, and you know what? I love being wrong. I love being wrong. At least when it's the local team's doing well about it. I, I love it. I hope it happens. It'd be great. The Carmelo Avalanche 
need to play big, not just as a whole, even though Sandy pointed out they're at a great start, but th- their stars have to play big. They did in the last outing, but the expectations are high. Kale McCarr has some as well. Jared Bednar addressed it. We'll hear from him next on My Life Sports. Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Okay, as you pointed out, Sandy, earlier, we were talking about the Avalanche who will face the Seattle Kraken tonight down on the uh, Ball Arena ice at 7 p.m. The Avalanche, at times, because their three losses have been blowout shutouts, right? It's felt kind of like the abs have been a little wobbly. Well, the truth is they really actually haven't been that wobbly. They're 8-3. When they score a goal, they win. This, that's a crazy, but you're exactly right. When they, They've won every game in which they have scored. Not scored num, X number, just scored. Yeah, but all it takes. they have also had games, and, and the, but the other way to look at it, and it is fair, is to say that they've only won two of their last five and been shut out in three of those, and that well, is also yeah. true. And they've lost three in a row on the road after winning 15 straight on the road, which is an all-time record. So, you know, there are ups and downs, and you know, our critique, I think, has been quite similar, if not identical, that the Stars have to play better. And if the Stars play better, uh, I think we saw this the other night, Johansson came along, Wood was legitimately, I thought, the number one star of the game because he scored the biggest goal of the game, the yeah. shorthanded goal, while they were killing a seven-minute Seven penalty, minute. right? And they gave up two goals during those seven minutes, but the shorthanded goal put them ahead 3-2. They came out of the seven minutes at 3-3, not behind by one goal or two goals, but tied, and that was the key to their winning the game. So I saw, thought that shorthanded goal was uh, was critical to their win, uh, and Wood and Johansson were outstanding. Worth noting, yeah, by the way, uh, in that Tuesday night game where uh, Colton had those penalties, $5,000 fine for the cross-check to Timo Meyer. But uh, no suspension. No suspension. Wow. $5,000 fine, and that was that. And uh, All right, so he plays tonight. The, the abs will certainly take it. A bit of a surprise, given especially literally a span of 15 surprised. seconds, two significant penalties, and then... Oh, the shot to the chops yeah. was directly next to the go, Right next, to the, next to the official, and I'm shocked that he wasn't suspended. Timo Meyer, by the way, almost immediately scored on the ensuing power play. Well, that's that's how you do it. Hockey karma you know for you, right? That's how you do it. That's the way. That's uh, how you do it. I used to play somebody cheap shot baseball you, growing up. You and, score on the next yeah, shift. Yeah, you come up and you punt. You know, that's the way you do it. You, you come in. You come in uh, second base a little hard next time. <laughs> that's the way it goes. And uh, the ads. So apparently they are able to dodge that. But Kale McCarr in the last couple games, he almost got hurt in Buffalo. Uh, rather seriously, in a game in which it, in which he said that he pursued the puck, and this turn was 
casual. He, he actually said the injury to the extent that he sustained an injury. He, he came missed right back part in of the a, third yeah, period. A couple shifts. Missed, missed a couple shifts. But he said it was his fault because he went back to casually mm-hmm. and paid the price. Well, this has been something of a concern at times in some of the losses. The Avs and, and McCarr, to a certain extent, McKinnon among them, uh, there's been turnovers in the offensive zone. There's been a bit of uncharacteristic sloppiness. Our play was something like one for 17 until they kind of broke out right. the other night. So McCarr in a couple different games, after the, the bad loss in Vegas, after the Buffalo loss, have been talking about how he needs to be better and to a certain extent talking about uh, the avalanche at a whole. And Jared Bednar was asked about those comments by Kale McCarr, and I thought it had a very thoughtful response. Here's what it sounded like. Yeah, I'm happy with this play. I think it's been steady. Um, the production is still there. I think it's just, you know, if you know Kale amongst a, a handful of other guys on our team, especially they have extremely high standards and hold themselves to a, a you know, level of play where they want to be at their best every single night. And, um, and they're going to push to try and do that. So, you know, there's been games this year where he's fought the puck a little bit, hasn't been as clean as what he would like, but he's still finding a way to make a play at impact moments and help get us, a, a, you know, our wins. So um, still an impact player, dominant player, but, you know, they're always striving to be the best. So I, that, that comment doesn't surprise me coming out of Kale. Um, but I do think that there's another level to his game yet. We've seen it the past. Kind of an interesting idea. Another, what would the other level sound like, first and foremost? But keep in well, mind... Well, uh, no, he, he's talking about in relation to how he's yes. generally played right. recently. Uh, the fighting the puck comment, I think, yeah. is, is oh, apt. I think you've seen that. Absolutely right. But it is also worth noting that Miko Ranton and Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, the Avs' three top stars, have 42 points in 11 games. Yeah. You'll, you'll live with four <laughs> points a game from those three yeah, guys. From those three guys. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, you know, not not for uh, not for nothing, the next two guys on the list of Larry Nachushkin and Arturi Lekkinen have seven points each well, in 11 l- games. L- listen, the, the steadiness of Rantanen has been the story of the season. Rantanen has been their best player. He has been player, their best player. Period. Yep. There's no argument about it. Nope. Eight goals, nine assists. It's not like, you know, two goals and 15 assists or 11 goals and six assists or anything like that. He has been their best playmaker. He's been their best goal scorer. He's been their best player in the power play. Um, five on five, uh, the best empty net goal scorer. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he hits the net. Well, the Avalanche of the Mostly other guys miss games net. in which they have had no goals. Those, obviously, Miko Randon did not score in. But only in one other game does he not have at least a point. I mean, he has been like yeah, he's been a marvel. The he's Avalanche been a marvel. Take the ice he was great if they last score, year. Miko Rantanen probably has something to do with he's it. He's the best winger in the league, hands down. And uh, you know, two goals in the last game, obviously, plus an assist. Uh, he's been just tremendous. I, I, I suspect the Az will take care of business tonight. Prosvetov uh, in net. I think that's a, an intriguing thing to see. I, I don't expect it to be amazing, but what what the Avs are looking for with Prosvetov is what we saw at least in the game against the Blues and and. Uh, you're looking for a guy that, one, I mean, if, if any team's starting goaltender were to knock on wood, suffer a serious injury, and be out for, like, the remainder of the year, there are no teams that have a starting goaltender in which they'd say, now we're still cup contenders. None. It doesn't happen. There's just not that many people on earth 
that they can start in in net no. that that no. will keep your team a Stanley Cup <laughs> no. goaltender. There's just no, only so many of them. It's not, about the same as not the case. It's about the same as top tier quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, There's only a handful of players on earth. Sometimes, sometimes in the Stanley Cup you playoffs, you can ride somebody hot. You can ride during, the hot guy during the playoffs, e- even if he isn't your main guy during the year. We we have seen that. Mm-hmm. But my friend Terry Fry has always put it best. He says you can win with a backup goaltender as long as he doesn't play like a backup goaltender. What the Avalanche need is not starting caliber play from Prosvetov. What they need is a guy that they feel they can throw in the net 25 to 30 times this year yes. and have a chance of winning the game. Yes, and you you select the, the timing based on the schedule, based on the opponent. Uh, Bednar has said more than once that when you rest Georgiev, you want it to be five three to five days. You don't want a day or two. Because um, what's the point? You you know, might what's the playing. point of that? Uh, so you're giving him at least three days between games. Uh, and the last time, he had five. Now, in all honesty, out of the five-day layoff, he came out and played a, his worst game of the year, the 7 nothing loss in Vegas. Um, right. Not every goal was his fault. Yeah, he and a lot of his teammates but, at that point. But, but he joined his teammates in playing a thoroughly lousy game. But again, it, it, it's not the, the full break because obviously he did play in New Jersey, but you'd play on the Tuesday, presuming that he's not that Bednar's not going to go with Prozvatov two games in a row, although I, I wouldn't think so. Uh, it doesn't buy him quite as much time, but he wouldn't. But you'd have Georgiev getting Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday off before playing but, Saturday. That's St. Louis at home, and that's the team he played against before. Right. But I, I think Seattle is a little more offensively challenged than St. Louis. And and again, it's all in the shots on goal. If the Avalanche are giving up eight shots a period on average mm-hmm. or fewer, yep, that is I'm, kind I'm of a sorry. Magic number. They they've got to be able to win. It's going to be most hard, yeah. all of those games, right? I agree. With now that. I understand there'll be games when they have forty shots on goal, and you know they score once or twice because the other team's goaltender steals one. They're, they're going to be games like that, yeah. And there was almost a game like that against San Jose, San Jose earlier uh, this Blackwood year. Blackwood was just electric, and the, the guy made fifty saves. Yeah, I, it so, will happen, but it, it feels it like tonight happen, they get it done. But, but it, they're just a much better team. There's no than Seattle. excuse for this team to give up against an offensively challenged team more than 24, 25 shots and against any team more than 30 shots. It really is. I know there will be games like that, yeah. but they should be few and far between. On average, that should be true. And then they'll have an opportunity here to make a good run. They get Seattle, then they get St. Louis on Saturday, then they, they do hit the road for another game against Seattle, and then come back to Denver on the 15th next week, next Wednesday, against Anaheim. This is an opportunity for the Avs to really put some wins uh, in the column there, they could easily win all four of these, which is good because then it gets right. a little tougher with a road trip that starts with three out of four. Oh, sure. And uh, at the end of the month gets a little trickier. But this seems like the opportunity for the Avs to really sort of settle and get some traction and start looking like the Avalanche team that we've seen them look like at times, and that would include Georgiev. And and I think the problems, we, we've talked about it, it's that sort of, just sloppiness, whether it's overconfidence, whether it's the fact that maybe this team gets a little bored at moments during the regular season because they're really, really good, or just it's early in the season I and the focus isn't there. I'm and not I don't sure. know him. And goaltenders are quirky. We all know that. I, I think it's more a matter of his actually losing some confidence. 
because I, at the field. Oh no, I was talking other, about the offensive turnovers or maybe a thing of overconfidence. Oh, we, oh yeah, because yeah. we've we've yeah. seen yeah. we've no, seen I, quite I a few goals I, I end up on Georgiev's ledger. But but Georgiev has been sloppy. He has been too, unusually so. Yes. Especially and, since and we've I seen think, the beginning I, of the I year. think in his case, what I'm saying is in his case, I think the sloppiness may come from a lack of a confidence. I, th- I, I think in a few of those games, he started at least um, decently against Pittsburgh and Buffalo, and then the game got away from everybody, and it shook him a little bit, just a little bit. And then to get the five days off, come back to Las Vegas. And five but days then off you get Vegas. seem to yeah. do them any good. You get a Las Vegas team that was hot yeah, at the time. Hot. And it, it's interesting that Las Vegas was so sky high for that game, they haven't played worth a spit since. No. Kind of interesting, right? <laughs> and that's why it's important not to panic over some of these bad games. Look, the, the, the Avs have lost, out of their three losses, two of them are road non-conference games. Yeah. And, and the other thing to remember is this. I know the Avs aren't Stanley Cup champions anymore, but they're still treated with that kind of respect. That long ago, other teams are and they're still a the... bit of a target oh, on the proverbial back sure. of the Avs, especially for the quote-unquote bad teams. That's their opportunity to make a statement. Well, that's what Seattle had going for them right. last year. They had absolutely nothing to lose in that series. Absolutely no, nothing. No, no one expected and, them to oh, be by the, the way, defending champs. One, it was a seven-game series, and anything can happen in a seven-game. Yep. Weird things happen. You in try to avoid games, getting okay? into seven-game series when the you're the The other thing is the Avs outscored Seattle during the series. Mm-hmm. You go back and look. Now, the Avs didn't score as often as they should, and they almost all their goals right. came from top-line guys, and they got nothing from the third and fourth line. They didn't get a lot from the second line either. But we, we all understand that, and we also understand that Nishushkin – Vanish yeah. for reasons still that have not been explained. We'll, we'll never know. Not, not just and, fully and explained. They haven't been explained at all. Had to be, uh, had to have more of a workload than you would have wanted during the season. Yes, That's and why he, part of this game tonight and, with Prosvetov And is as so a result, he was okay during the series, but he didn't steal any games, and Grubauer did. Yep. Grubauer did. He did. Uh, so Prosvetov in that tonight, intriguing there. But, I mean, you think about the way to get right. You think about whether it's Georgiev with the time off or Prosvetov, who hasn't now played in a little bit with an opportunity to get in there a second. Uh, some of this is just mindset. It's just mindset for these guys as they get moving. And so, uh, you know, for the Avs, an, an interesting opportunity to get that cooking tonight. Well, uh, it's a neck-up deal, uh, the sports world. And who better than... Uh, the supreme performance psychologist, Dr. Rick Perea, to tell you all about it. We will soon be conducting a weekly podcast yeah. with Dr. Rick Perea. I believe it starts uh, next week, and uh, you can hear it. Um, heck, you can hear it on Wednesday nights every 5.30, between 5.30 and 6 here on Mile High Sports. You get your checkup from the neck up from Dr. Rick Perea, former psychologist of the world champion Broncos in 2015, uh, for the Colorado Rockies as they were uh, getting set to make the playoffs for two straight years. Yes, that happened fairly recently, even within the last decade. And, of course, he's worked with the world champion Nuggets. Dr. P also helps middle and high school performers to reach peak performance. So whether you're an everyday performer at work, at play, or at school, call Dr. P today at 720-287-0933. That's 720 720- Two eight seven zero nine three three, or look them up at Doctor P at Think One for You dot org. That's the number four, 
thinkone4u.org. The Denver Broncos are investing some big-time money uh, in their facilities over by a Centennial Airport at Dove Valley. We'll talk to you about that. We'll hear from one of the players that explains why it actually matters to them next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Denver Broncos are expected to undertake a revamp of their Dove Valley headquarters, costing about $175 million that will get uh, itself completed by training camp in 2026. The existing practice facility that is covered will be unchanged, but uh, according to all the uh, the architectural drawings and everything that the Broncos un- unveiled on their social media and their website, uh, it does look as if the the Paul Bowen Memorial Center appears to be at least if the, the drawings are be you know the representations to be believed they'll probably they, it looks like they'll demolish that and build a second building. If you're familiar with where the Broncos facility is and what it looks like, where there is a parking lot if you're going to the team store or you're going to where training camp is now. That is going to be replaced by a sprawling, curved building, which will house all of the Broncos' headquarters and then run up against to the side of the existing uh, completed closed practice facility. There will then be uh, a rooftop pavilion in which uh, certain fans will be able to watch the proceedings and it appears like where the Paul Bowen Memorial Building is now would be uh, basically... a well, one of the Broncos' favorites, uh, a grass berm again, because Broncos have a thing for grass berms. But the the way to look at it, I think, is interesting because we don't know how it's going to work. You know, they'll talk about the big rooftop pavilion, and it looks like a big screen jumbotron up there and everything. Uh, there are some challenges because if you charge for practices, this was kind of happened when uh, Washington tried to do this, when Dan Snyder originally came in charge of practice. If you charge for practices, you have to let opposing scouts in because if you can buy a ticket, anybody can buy a ticket. Uh, the Broncos, you'll note, this year went to a deal with Ticketmaster where they had tickets, but they were free, but you still had to have the Ticketmaster account and get them in, kind of convoluted. So I don't know where that will go, but I do think it's telling that you have a big old grass berm and then a rooftop pavilion with balconies and a jumbotron and everything else. There's definitely a, um, for certain people, let's say, um, with money or connections. <laughs> I was wondering. Wait, was there, was there a fancy that. way to say that that I missed mm-hmm. on? Basically, if you have money or connections, you probably get to go there. And if you're just the regular old, you Not know. for the hoi polloi. The hoi polloi. Thank you. One other person who will ever use that term. Thank you. The hoi polloi. Uh, you're sitting out on the berms getting That's sunburned right. again. So, I mean, it, look. I, I, I don't really, it doesn't matter. I don't, I still don't understand why you just can't throw up some bleachers or something, but whatever. Maybe they will between now and 2026. But I I will say this, this this to me is sort of indicative of a couple of things. They know that, that this, there's a big organization that's going to be built, uh, designed by HOK, the the famed architectural firm that designed Coors Field, uh, Camden Yards, and many other really, really right. cool right. sports facilities. I'm sure it will be lovely. But, I think when it gets to the whole new stadium idea, 
that eventually we'll get to. I think you're seeing it already. The Broncos' new ownership does understand uh, land is expensive. The way that Denver is laid out is the way Denver is laid out. And it may very well be that sort of redeveloping your existing property is the more effective way to go. Exactly. And I think when we get to the idea of the stadium, everyone wants to answer, where will it be, where will it be? The answer is the where, the best place, is where it's always been since it was built in 19... Oh, as far as access. In 1948, if I'm not mistaken, as Bears Stadium, that's the best place it can be built. And even the Broncos understand that. I suspect that when they get around to it, and I, you can also suspect they're probably not. We're gonna we won't hear anything of a stadium until the new facility at Dove Valley. Gets well, that's built, right. That's right. That you know, that's, we're, right. that's where things are going to go. No, and if they're redoing the complex, they're not going to put a stadium out there too. No, right? no, there's no, no make room. Any sense. I don't there's think no room. so. There's, there's no, enough room. There, there is some room there. But there might be room for a stadium, but the the parking and everything else—it's well, 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 it's exactly. in a business what park. Would you do with it's in a parking? business park by the by the no, no. regional and, and, airport. And, and getting to it would be would be a nightmare. It wouldn't be quite like trying to get into Air Force, but right. it'd be close. You had you had. So uh, I, I agree with you. You know they they've already more or less indicated to those who care to pay attention about such things um, that I got to build it by the airport. And if you rule out Dove Valley and you rule out the airport, I don't know where else you go, to be honest. Nowhere that makes a lot of sense. And either it's going Nowhere to be centrally sort of where they are right now or it's going to be very close to where they are right now. It, 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 they're fundamentally not going to change the site of the stadium. The structure of the stadium, Yes. Yeah, and, and what, you might, stadium, what you might have to no. do in the interim, I don't know. I, I don't know. But, That's uh, a good but I just find it hard to believe they'll point. be doing anything else than putting the new stadium exactly where it is. And and there is, look, uh, if you can revamp Lambeau, if you can revamp oh, Soldier Field, several times. you can revamp the not nearly as old Empower Field of Mile. Well, I, I think so, and that's another... You know, and, and maybe it happens the in way phases. They look at maybe it, it happens in it, yeah. this is a three-year plan for this maybe, end. And that's maybe how it goes. I, I guess that's possible. It's going to go all Sagrada Familia but on you or anything. The one advantage one of having person these got people, that joke, the one clear, thank you, one person, yeah, one, one <laughs> clear advantage <laughs> of having these people as owners is money is no. I'll say no object. It's but darn it's, close. It's not much of an object. It's not much. No, and no, it was no, funny. Our no. friend uh, Vic Lombardi at Over Altitude was uh, a little uh, dis- disappointed by the news that the Broncos facility would be where it was and pointing out, well, how come things can't be up on the north side of Denver, the west side of Denver? And I'm like, well, here's why. Um, your owners aren't from Denver, first. Uh, two, check out their bank accounts. They fly in on private, not public. And um, they are literally... Not exactly a stone's throw, but maybe a dozen stone's throw from the airport in which their private jets land. So, yeah, that's where their headquarters was going to stay, okay? That's how it goes. They weren't going to be putting it up by DIA or anywhere else. You think they're going to fly in a private jet like, boy, yes, I look forward to my long commute on I-25 with the hoi polloi. Yes, get to the yes, headquarters. Exactly. They're like they don't no, mix with the hoi polloi. No, 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 no. no. We want to be in a spot don't. where someone can take a you know 
Uh, is there are there like super fancy pedal cabs? Do they do those? Like really fancy, like stretch pedicabs? They make those because I mean that's about all you need to get from Centennial to the Broncos headquarters, and and that's um that's by design, folks. Yeah, that's where it goes. And once again, you're talking about that's the nature. You have owners that are not from Denver, right? That that come into Denver in many cases to take a look at it. Yeah, they want it all convenient, so they're going to build it where it is. And that's how it's going to shake down. And that's how this ownership's going to work. And that's how this ownership's going to work now and for the long term. Because they're not going to sell it anytime soon because they need it to double or triple in value oh, like Pat Bullen, oh, they, they, the trust was able not, to do. They're gonna, they, they will have because this remember, team. Again, they will have this team for, you. I, I'm guessing, at least 20 years. At, at bare minimum. And that's because, again, at least as current situations stand, you cannot lose money owning an NFL team. It's impossible. It is impossible. If you do nothing, you will make money. The television contracts. If you have contracts, no fans in the stands, you'll make money. Maybe that's what they do in the stadium. They don't worry about it. You can just play, just play the game, just play the game at the practice facility. You don't yeah. need fans. <laughs> but you'll make. You're still profitable. Who cares? And then, you, then when the new stadium is built, then oh, fans can come back because you don't need them. You'll still make money. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter. So, I mean, that's the very nature of, of the NFL now. Yes, this is going to be about what's convenient for ownership and what maximizes revenue. Those are the two things that are going to drive the Denver Broncos going forward. People are like, when are you going to have new uniforms? When it maximizes revenue. Right. When it matches a color scheme or numbers or whatever that the owners happen to like, if it takes it in tradition or not. Uh, when are you going to have a new stadium? When it maximizes revenue. Yeah. Not until, not before, mm-hmm. When? And that's that. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. The the Broncos and Broncos fans have been incredibly lucky that until Pat Bowen, and I do draw a hard dividing line there, until Pat Bowen could no longer manage this team day to day. I'm not counting the, the Joe Ellis era for multiple reasons. Some were described in court. But for the majority of, of Pat Bowen's tenure, you had someone who came to the community, invested in the community, considered the, it was certainly his team, but considered it a part of a vibrant community and a community asset in which he may have owned it, but fans were a big, big piece of the puzzle. That kind of ownership is almost completely gone from sports in general, not just the NFL. These are businesses. You want to know, go look, go read the Washington Post's fantastic story this week about the investments from Saudi Arabia for example, or, or Qatar, into sports across the board. Right. These are profit-generating entities now. First, foremost, and only. And the Broncos ownership didn't buy this because they had a deep feeling about the Denver Broncos or grew up watching the Denver Broncos or a love about the Denver Other community. than Condi. They, right. they, to yeah, an extent, even though I think she would have been satisfied some other ones too had they become available. They are there because it is immensely profitable and is going to continue to be immensely profitable. And that's why they own it. That doesn't mean the Broncos can't succeed or be successful. It doesn't mean the Broncos can't do very well. Uh, the, the Cronky ownership feels the same way. Uh, last time I checked, they win lots of trophies now across a bunch of sports, including a couple here. And they may win a couple more here. So it's not as if it can't be successful. But the way the Broncos were run, is kind of a family business that's gone and, and it's it, not coming it's back. never coming back 
That's the simple reality of it. Doesn't mean they can't go beat the Bills on Monday, though. That's what people keep telling me. We'll talk more about that on Friday, obviously. Wow, crickets and everything. Holy cow. But we'll talk more about that on Friday. We'll also have an opportunity to break uh, the abs down with our friend uh, Eric Dean. They play the Kraken tonight. Justin Adams from CBS News Colorado will talk about the Broncos and the Buffs yes. with their home uh, ender, their finale That's of their home right. schedule. The home finale. Will be on Saturday. Against we'll talk about a surprisingly well. good Arizona team. Yes, indeed. And uh, boy, do the Buffs need a win. So we'll talk about oh. that with Justin as well. Thanks to Chris Thomason for joining us today from the Denver Gazette. Follow him at Chris Thomason on social. Danny Bailey's the man in the booth that makes everything work. We'll be back in just around 22 hours and... Four minutes. Four minutes as it stands right now. But you, you can stay right here, and we hope you do. So we'll catch you tomorrow right here on Miley Sports. Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, it's Drew Goodman. Guess what? Like everybody else in America, I have a podcast. Actually, I've had it for four years. Download it at all of your favorite places you get podcasts. I have great guests. Guys like Ryan McMahon, Dan Issel, Hall of Famer-to-be Albert Pujols, current Hall of Famer Larry Walker, Adam Schefter, and we kick around subjects locally, regionally, nationally. So download it and tell your friends. The Drew Goodman Podcast. Catchy name.